it is a winning story. Because it is a story that talks about salvation for every person. It's the story of Jesus. And it's the story we have celebrated around this table. It's the story we continue to celebrate as we read from the Word of God. You know, every good story has four things that are, are part of it. One is a character, a main character, the one that you can identify with. Uh, and he wants something, or she, that character wants something, has a goal. But three, there are obstacles to overcome, difficulties that have to be maneuvered through. And then fourth, if that person achieves the goal, then it's a good story, uh, a positive story, an adventure. If they don't achieve the goal, then it's a tragedy. Uh, and we mourn that. Of course, the worthiness of that story uh, is uh, uh, part of the character. If we don't like that character, then we're probably not going to like the book. Uh, what the character wants must be something that's desirable or worthwhile. Uh, and if we identify with that, if we like that goal, then we'll identify with the struggle with the character. Uh, if, it reach, if that person reaches the goal, we rejoice. If not, we sympathize. Of course, a lot of stories are more complicated than that because there's not just one character. There's a lot. And so there are subplots with everybody looking for something, seeking to achieve something, each one having a goal. The great classics will have several different characters in them. Uh, Tolstoy, or rather, uh, well, I'll talk about him in a minute. Tolkien's great classic, The Lord uh, of the Rings. Frodo Baggins is the main character, but there are other characters in the book as well. There's uh, Gandalf and Samwise Gamby and Aragon and, of course, Gollum. Uh, and the main struggle is about the destruction or the acquisition of the ring, the ring that holds the power, all power, that always corrupts. So it's the source of evil in the world. All kinds of subplots going on in that book. Uh, if you've seen the movie, you understand that, but I really encourage you to read the book because there's more subplots in the book. Other stories that were left out of the, the book. Let me encourage you to read. Because as we read, we expose ourselves to different things, to different worlds, to, to different th uh, thoughts. Tolkien was a member of a literary group in England called the Inklings. Uh, and part of that group, uh, a member of that group, uh, was also C.S. Lewis. Actually, Tolkien was a deeply committed Christian, and C.S. Lewis grew up an atheist, and Tolkien actually converted him to Christianity. And then C.S. Lewis became, uh, well, the author of so many books. Uh, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the Chronicles of Narnia, perhaps is more famous in the uh, uh, fiction aspect. But tremendous spiritual allegories are, uh, uh, to help us see God in this world. Tolstoy also, uh, well, I'll get to him in a minute. Uh, uh, C.S. Lewis also wrote Mere Christianity. Some say the greatest Christian 
classic of all time that, that writes, uh, he writes a defense of Christian faith. If you haven't read that book, you need to. It is a great book for, uh, to expose us to Christian thought and, and philosophy and understanding. We need to expand our horizon, build our wisdom. And now to Leo Tolstoy, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, he is a great classic uh, writer from Russia. He wrote War and Peace and, and others. I tried those, but it was just really too hard for me to get through. Some of his shorter books like What Men Live By and Where Love Is, God Is are great classics. What Men Live By is the story of the cobbler who keeps looking for uh, Jesus to come visit him. I'm sure you've seen uh, dramatizations of that. But Leo Tolstoy wrote that uh, originally. There's a, a movie coming out this week called The Greatest or The Meanest Man in Texas. It's the story of Clyde Thompson, a brother who was converted in prison. Uh, I've got the book if you might be interested in reading, but you can watch the movie. But the movie that's coming out this week does not talk about his spirituality, just that he was mean and that he was converted. And, but he has probably baptized more people in prison than any other prison evangelist. The Bible is a story. The main character is God. He wants something. He wants a relationship with us. Uh, He didn't necessarily need that, but he wanted it. And so he sets out to have a relationship with the human creation that he has made. The resistance that he faces is (laughs) us. And, and our tendency to sin, to rebel against Him. And the story of all Scripture from, from beginning to end is the story of God reaching out to overcome those obstacles and help us to find a relationship with Him. It's the story of overcoming our sin. Now, there's a lot of subplots of story, uh, individuals throughout the Scripture And how they interact with each other and how they each interact with God. But it's all about God reaching out to us. Of course, the story of the Bible uh, has the great climax when Jesus pays the price for our sin on the cross. And is raised from the dead. And then kind of the epilogue is the story of the church going around the world telling everyone Salvation is in the name of Jesus. Here's something else. Events that happen in our lives and events that happen in stories all have consequences. That's a fundamental truth of life. An object moves and it causes other things to move. Something happens and it causes other things to happen. Events happening in the story of God, they have consequences. Sin, when it happens, it has a consequence. And the cost means that someone has to pay. Sorry, Uh, I have a son, Ron. He lives in California. But when he was 12, he wanted to be a young entrepreneur and make some money. Uh, You know, and no kid thinks their allowance is, is as much as they need. 
So he wanted to make some, he's 12 years old, he, he wants to cut grass, he'll make some money. He couldn't cut mine, but he could, <laughs> he could cut somebody else if they'd pay him. Of course, he, he, he was using my lawnmower that I'd paid for and the gasoline that I had bought, you know, that I had paid for. And he was cutting then the grass of the next door neighbor so that he could make some money. Uh, he hit a rock and the rock uh, with a lawnmower and the rock flung up against the glass screened, uh, a glass storm door and it broke it into a zillion pieces, you know, just shattered all, you know, fall down. Uh, who do you think paid <laughs> in this effort of a young capitalistic adventure? <laughs> well, it wasn't Ron because he didn't have any money to begin with. Uh, in the real world, there is a cost to pay for everything that goes wrong. Somebody's going to have to pay. It's not true only in financial things. It's true in everything. Because events have consequences. When someone does something that hurts someone else or offends someone else, then that person owes a debt to the person that's been offended or the person that's been wronged. Either you pay the debt yourself to justify the scenario, or the person who's been wronged absorbs the cost themselves. Back to my neighbor, he didn't absorb the cost. He didn't say, oh, don't worry about that. I'll, you know. Someone has to pay the debt or forgive the debt. We got to pay. That's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is when we absorb the cost of something that's been done against us. So if I forgive you, that means that I absorb the expense that you've given to me. I pay. Uh, if we pay the price of our own offense, then we don't need forgiveness. We've taken care of it. But you see... Our offense against God was a greater debt. It's like a little kid. We don't have the resources to pay our own debt. It is at the cross that Jesus absorbed the expense or the cost of my sin and yours as well. See, somebody has to pay and we cannot individually pay. God has been wronged, there's a debt, and the only way that that debt can be paid or the relationship restored is that someone somehow absorb the debt that is owed. And that's what Jesus did on the cross. He was absorbing our debt. He is paying the price for our sin. That's what Isaiah was talking about. The passage again, verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. 
All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that was led to the slaughter, like a sheep that before his shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for my transgression of my, or for the transgression of my people? They made his grave with the wicked, with a rich man in his death, although he had do, done no violence. There was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He was put, or he, he has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for sin, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord uh, shall prosper his hand. The story of the cross is the story of how Jesus overcame the obstacle of our salvation, of our relationship with God, of our sin. The story of how Jesus bore great trial, it's the story of how Jesus bore great trials to achieve a new relationship between humankind and God. And so when we think about the story, here Jesus is the character, and He wants to do the will of the Father. He wants to bring peace between humankind and, and God. He wants to bring to each one of us salvation, abundant life. John 10, verse 10, He came that we might have life and have it abundantly. Along the way, He overcame all kinds of conflict, all kinds of challenges, resistance to that. He had to overcome the temptations of the devil. The devil there in the wilderness and at other times sought to tempt Him to block His progress. To keep him from achieving that? Or he had to overcome the challenge even of his own family that did not, at least not at first, believe in him. They tried to say, come on back home and just be a carpenter. Uh, He had to overcome the challenge of his own flesh. Remember there in Gethsemane, he said that if there's some way that I might not have to die, he had to overcome the constant uh, resistance from the Pharisees and the Jewish priests. Most profoundly, he had to overcome his death, his own death. But in reality, that was the way he achieved the goal in that he was raised from the dead. He paid the price for all humankind. And because he overcame, he provides the power so that we can have life abundantly in Him. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. And being found in human form, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee which shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The story of Jesus 
is the story of the glory of God. The story of Jesus is the story of our unification with God. The story of Jesus is the story that means salvation to all of us. And God wants each of us to be in His story. Just as God and Jesus overcame, they long for your story to be part of theirs. Jesus is the main character of God. He wants something, a relationship with us. He overcame the resistance to achieve his purpose. God took care of the first three. But you and I have a part to play in order to achieve the purpose of God. Our response to his grace is necessary. Some cases, God's going to get what He wants. When we respond in love and acceptance, and we, we say, yes, Lord, I believe. Yes, Lord, I want to be your child. Then He has that relationship with us. But for those that refuse, for those that deny, for those that turn their back, then His purpose with that individual, well, it becomes a tragedy. Because He does not have that relationship. God made us in His own image, and He made us with the ability... uh, Well, God loves us so much that He does not want to demand our response. He doesn't want our love unless we're willing to give it. He overcame every obstacle... But he will not force us to respond. So you and I have a decision to make as to whether or not to be part of God's story. You and I have the decision to make as to whether or not our story becomes part of God's story. It can be. and and We can have that relationship with him. We can have the hope of heaven. We, We can be part of God's story. But it's our choice. Today, we're recognizing those that are graduating from high school. They, but in reality, every one of us, we're writing a story. The story of our lives. What are we writing? I pray that as you write your story, it includes God. I I pray that you will continue to grow in your relationship with the Lord. But God doesn't make us write Him in. We're all still writing that story. We're all going to face difficulties in that discipleship. My prayer is that our story will be a walk with God. But you've got to decide. It's your decision. Jesus will not force you to be His disciple. He will not force you to believe in Him. He will not force you to be part of His story. And so whether or not your story is a good story or a tragedy depends on your response to Jesus. Whether or not 
my life has a good ending will depend upon my willingness to be a part of God's story. There are some here that have never chosen to put themselves in God's story. There are some here today who remain outside of Christ. Yeah, maybe believe, yes, but never having made the commitment, they're still not part of the story of God. They've still not made that decision to to be part of the kingdom of God, to proclaim that faith and to be buried with Jesus in baptism for the remission of their sins. Later on this morning, we'll sing a song. Sometimes we call it the invitation song. And during that singing, during that song, if you want to be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, to, be, to have Jesus pay the, the price of your sin, let us know. Come talk to me about that. You can be baptized today for the remission of your sins. Let me encourage all of us, whether we've already been baptized or whether, well, let's be part of the story of God. And let me encourage you to let God be the editor of your life. Uh, you know, an editor in a book, he, he'll read that and he'll say, well, this paragraph wasn't good, that, that chapter wasn't good, you need to rework that, reword that. Let God be your editor. Let His Word guide and mold your life. Let His Word make your story a good story. A Hebrew writer says, Hebrews chapter 4, For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirits, of joints, of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but are all naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Let God work on your life. Let God change who you are so that you indeed are a disciple of the Lord. Let him him speak to you as to what you want and what you do and how you live. Let His Word penetrate your soul so that now you are shaped by God. Trust the Lord. Trust in Him to make your life story better. There are going to be struggles. Let Him help you through the struggles of life so that your story is a great story of God.